Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. The other day when my dad told me he needed to go to the bank, I was worried for two reasons. First, about his health and the risk that he was taking by going out during this pandemic. And second, about how people might treat him, how people might react to him, to the color of his skin or to the ways his eyes slant, just like mine. So I told him to be careful because anti-Asian hate is on the rise. To see how widespread it is, to see the extent and the magnitude of this issue um, is shocking to me. Asians and Asian Americans are being harassed, bullied, and even assaulted by people who think that looking Chinese means you have the coronavirus. It's the latest chapter in a long history of anti-Asian racism. And recently, a group of organizations in California has started to track this problem. Today, how Asian American communities are documenting these stories and what they plan to do about it. I'm Erica Cruz Guevara. Welcome to the Bay. So we began to hear um, anecdotal evidence that people were getting harassed, uh, and especially people were getting to be bullied um, through social media at the end of January. Russell Zhang is chair of the Asian American Studies Department at San Francisco State. His department and other organizations, the Asian Pacific Policy and Planning Council and Chinese for Affirmative Action, have set up this online reporting center. It's called Stop AAPI Hate. By early February, I would talk to my students and they all knew people who were name-called or who were shunned. And um, people began to avoid them if they coughed. And so those became almost daily occurrences and grew until to now. It's like not a daily occurrence, but a regular occurrence. And when did you realize that this needed to be tracked on a more systemic basis? We knew early on that it needed to be tracked, not only for research purposes, but for advocacy purposes, to get our politicians and our elected officials and our government to be responsive to the needs of the community. Because, you know, there's historical precedent of anti-Asian violence um, related to disease. And we saw what happened in SARS. We saw what happened in 9-11 to Muslims. So we knew and expected a spate of anti-Asian sentiment. You know, um, a lot of people compare it to 9-11, right? You have this group um, gets scapegoated and blamed, and in 9-11 it was Muslims, and the issue gets racialized so that 
terrorism becomes racialized with a religious group and a certain look. So even if you're not Muslim, let's say you're Sikh wearing a turban, you're still perceived as being a terrorist. And for us now, if you look Chinese and maybe you're wearing a mask, you're perceived as being a disease carrier. So you see the same type of racialization process and scapegoating in an extraordinary um, threat from the outside. This is a very typical American response to the yellow peril threat. So we have a historic stereotype of the yellow peril where the East will invade the West and threatens to dominate the West with its disease and with its hordes of people who are faceless and nameless. And so in the 19th century with smallpox and then with the plague, European Americans called for the exclusion of Chinese and they passed the Chinese Exclusion Act. This reporting center website has only been online for about a week, but Professor Jung is seeing more than 100 first-hand stories coming in per day. In fact, as of Thursday morning, there were more than 700 entries in this database. People are flooding us with stories about how they've been harassed or shunned and increasingly spat upon and coughed at. It's really pervasive, the anger's really present, and about 10 to 15% are assaults. So we have two sets of data, the news stories, and then we also have now personal first-hand accounts. What we're gonna also study later on is social media and um, how often is the term Chinese virus employed or um, taunts or offensive jokes that are going around. Hmm. So we, we're using all sources of data to um, compile evidence of the growing anti-Asian violence. How are people even finding out about the tracker? Yeah, see, that's the thing. We, we just launched it and we just had a few newspaper articles and already we've got an overwhelming response. We're, we plan to publicize it through community channels and do our own media campaign to stop the hate and report the hate. Um, but again, we're already getting it. And actually 60% of the incidents come from outside of California. We're getting reports not only from the U.S., but we got one from Australia, from France, from England. So people yeah. want to tell their story. People want to stand up to the hate, and um, they are. Is there anything that you've received that has stuck with you? It's, it's striking to me what people do to strangers. You know, people with kids, little kids would get bullied, and it's just mean. People would vandalize um, people's statues of Buddha outside their homes. You know, it's that type of incident. It's just really hateful. And it's um, maybe shouldn't be surprising, not shocking, but it still um, makes me pause and concerned for the broader community. Yeah. And it's it sounds surprising to you, even as someone who knows that there is a long history of racism against um, Asian Americans in this country. Yeah. Even though, I'm, even though it's my own family's experience generations of anti-Asian discrimination, even though I teach it. I guess the firsthand experiences of people who are so young or who are so vulnerable and to see how widespread it is, to see the extent and the magnitude of this issue um, is shocking to me. With shelter in place, we're seeing more incidents occurring at businesses, at grocery stores. 
because that's the only place people go these days. The FBI have been brought in to investigate the stabbing spree at Sam's Club in Midland over the weekend. And as the In Texas, they're investigating a case for possible racial motivation. Um, when a family from Burma, their refugees were stabbed at a Sam's Club. Bowie was targeted in an attack at the Sam's Club in Midland on Saturday night. The first strike, a punch to the back of his head. So linking the disease with the people who aren't Chinese, but who look Chinese. It's hard to know what to do if you're the target of racist harassment. Do you say something back? Do you try and educate the person? Or do you try and get away from the situation so it doesn't escalate? Russell says he has conversations like this with his son, who's a teenager. But even if you've prepared something in your head, it doesn't mean you're ready in the moment. What would you say to someone who bullied you or harassed you? You know, sometimes a lot of us are shocked because we haven't experienced it, so we don't have any good comebacks. But I think it would be sort of useful for Asian Americans to get together and develop so we don't think about it 20 hours later, oh, I could have said this to the guy, but actually develop comebacks that are actually useful and empathetic and educational rather than just sort of like, you know, got him, ha, ha, ha. Yeah, I've definitely have been thinking lately um, what it is I would say to any number of possible things that someone would say to me. And I just, I'm having a, it's a hard thing to, to think about. Yeah, you get numb to it, right? And then you're taken aback. What are you hoping to do with all this information that you're gathering from this um, new database? So what we're going to use the data for is to compile it so that these individual stories become a collective voice and say, this is not just an individual experience, but this is what's happening to our community. And as we share our collective story, we can advocate for real change. So for example, we want to go to the governor and say, have Department of Mental Health put out better anti-bullying educational materials particular to this virus. We want to have the Department of Education come up with curriculum that teaches kids how to um, handle bullying and how to be an effective bystander who could intervene in this case. We would want the Department of Transportation to um, put up public service announcements in trains, Caltrains, for example. Let's say we see a lot of stuff happening at Safeway or Costco. We could actually contact the corporations and say, can you advise your managers to be on the lookout and to um, put up signage that would prohibit and not condone this type of behavior, right? So I think there's a lot of different policy interventions that we could develop that are useful, not only for the government to do, but for our own community to do. So we could actually um, develop our own campaigns about how to respond to bullying or how to respond to being caught the virus in healthy ways, how to build up resilience for our youth when they're taunted. So it's both on the governmental level, but on the community level, how do we respond well? How do we build solidarity with other people who are racially profiled? How do we develop empathy for other people who are like people in prison, people who are unhoused, people in detention centers who are more likely to get the disease? Those are things that I would want to come out of the center. There's a lot I hope for. If you've experienced targeted racism and want to report your incident to the AAPI hate tracker, 
We've got the link to the website in our episode notes. It's available in English, traditional and simplified Chinese, Korean, Thai, Japanese, and Vietnamese. This episode of The Bay was produced by Marisol Medina Cadena and Alan Montesilio. We also get help from Kiana Mogadam. You can keep up with us as always on Twitter. We're at The Bay KQED. KQED's senior leadership team includes Vinnie Tong, Julie Kane, Ethan Lindsay, and Holly Kernan. I'm Erica Cruz Guevara. Stay safe, stay home, and wash your hands. Talk to you all next week. I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Randa Fattah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.